Good evening, and welcome to our podcast, 174, written November 5th, 2023. The title of our podcast today is A Church Where Satan Sits. How would you like your church to sit in the throne room of Satan, where the devil himself is enthroned? Our key scripture states, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Athapas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornications. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate also. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manner, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Revelation 2, 12-17 read it. Some of you have experienced having neighbors who do harassing things, things that make your dwelling uncomfortable. Well, what do you think about the church of Pergamos that had its dwelling near the throne of Satan? I am sure that it was a constant bombardment of evil attacking them, yet the scriptures say they held on to the name of the true God and have not denied the faith. Now, listen, to this four-part disharmony, you got Satan on one side. On the other side, you even have martyrdom on the other side, and, and you have the Nicolaitans on the other side, and finally you have got a wishy-washy prophet in Balaam who was paid to curse Israel and tried to uphold Baal's teaching to appease Balak and prophesied to please the people of God at the same time. But when instructed to curse God's people for Balak, his first, he first refused until he was offered money hmm. for the love of money. Well, you remember the story, how he was told to curse the people of God 
He was even bribed by Balak, king of Moab, to curse God's people. And Balaam, knowing God's will, struggled where he's trying to do both the devil and God's work. And I'm sure there's some people listening right now to my voice that has struggled with knowing God's will, and yet they have so much of the world in their lives, they find it hard to adhere to what thus sake the word of God. Like those Nicolaitans, we're going to visit that. So we, like Balaam, are struggling to do that which is right. Could eating of meat cloud our thinking? In several places, the scripture talk about eating meat dedicated to idols that always result in fornication and all sexual sins. Reading about the Shiloh excavations, where it talks about meat offered to idols in Pergamon and Thyatira, the church we also visited last week, meat offered to idols. This article deals with understanding the phrase meat offered to idols in two of the letters that the Lord Jesus addressed to the seven churches. Dr. Charles A. Kennedy has set forth, in my opinion, the best explanation for these phrases, meat offered to idols. The phrase should be understood as a memorial meal for the dead that sometimes degenerate into an immoral affair. If this understanding is correct, the interpretation will help clarify the message of the letters to the churches of Pergamum and Thyatira. It goes on to say this article was originally published in the fall of 2001, issue of Bible and Spade. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Acts 15, 29. It's interesting how eating of meats seem to yield fornication. I think this should be a podcast of its own, but we want today to look at the spiritual ramification of God's people, whereas some of the people of God were spiritually fornicating with the false god Baal. Even though the fornication was spiritually done with Baal, when Balaam saw he couldn't openly curse God's people, he took the back door route and advised Balak that they seduce the men of Israel by having the Moabite and Midianite women seduce Israel. The men of Israel doing those pagan rituals were tempted, which some of them, of the men of Israel, fell to their seduction and, of course, brought God's judgment on them. You can't get any closer 
than that to hell. Having your church built on the grounds of the temple of Satan, of which I titled this podcast, A Church Where Satan Sits. Now, I want to bring this home in full circle and cause you to look at the churches today. I always like to relate the works of the seven churches that Jesus talked about to the attributes of the modern church today. Brother Gene, this is old school. This is old history. Why are you bringing up this old stuff? Because it's relevant. Today and given in the revelation of Jesus Christ unto John for the seven last churches of our day. See, we may look, maybe looking for seven particular churches to describe each of the seven last churches of Asia. But I'm one to believe that the seven last churches has its works commingled. In other words, we have all these attributes of the seven last churches spread throughout our modern day churches. This is why the Lord gave John this vision. We know humans are created as creatures rather of habit. As history repeats itself, so to speak, as some people will model their church after a church of the past to try to make their church more holier than thou. And in reality, the name nor the living, nor living in the past actually makes us any better than others. It's what we carry in our heart that builds a better church. What God said of the last seven churches, it has happened, is happening, and will happen. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 through Revelation chapter 3, verse 22. Read it. He saw us going through those same problems throughout the ages. God sees them. He knows they're still there. That's why Jesus said, let them all grow together and I will separate them when I come. Matthew 13, 30. Read it. God will help his people grow where they are. Until that day, he pulled them or called them from all these churches. Then we will finally see his purified church. The reason I I didn't mention the doctrine of the Nicolaitans already is simply because we today are like them where we think it's okay to have one hand or one foot in the church of God and the other hand and the other foot in the world. It's okay to have both our physical and spiritual body, spiritual body enjoy and fornicate in the pleasures of this world without regards to the word of God. We 
the church even acknowledge our bodies being God's temple. I don't think I know of any church that calls on the name of Christ does not have at least that doctrine. That they don't believe, that they believe that the body, that, that the church, we are the physical body of Christ. You see, God did not make a mistake when he spoke to the seven mass churches. He saw this happening as he specified these attributes in each and every church. I believe these works are found in all churches today. Therefore, we can't discriminate as he's speaking to us all admonishing us all to repent but when he but when we turn within we see these wicked acts weaved throughout all churches who can point the finger and say oh they're totally bad over there whereas now we can only say we're all bad that's why jesus is going to have to separate us when he come. If we were all good, he would need to do that. You agree? He's got to separate the wheat from the tares, the sheep from the goat. He admonishes them and he admonishes us individually. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If we all good if we're all good he wouldn't simply he would simply say okay well take the sheep on this side and leave the goats on that side if it was that simple he wouldn't need to come and separate us but God said it's for a reason as he looks on the heart he saw a people that's going to have one foot in the church and one foot in the world, a.k.a. a church where Satan sits. Teaches it's okay to have wealth, a $10 million mansion, drive a Rolls Royce, and let the poor starve, freeze in the cold, or my brother have needs on the street of Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Chicago, Miami, Philadelphia, New York, Dallas, and so on throughout the world. And you smaller towns, you're not exempt. Same stuff happening in you, just at the smallest scale. Even after the suffering of a pandemic, we have mortgage holders utility companies, grocery stores, dry goods stores, all of who have a need for greed, raping people for more. Why I say raping them? Because you want to raise the price of services and goods and commodities so you can resume your luxury lifestyle. Then the common man asks for a raise to live in this runaway cost of living economy. 
you've created, you say no. So he strikes, which disrupt the goods and services to everyone. Consider that we're in this mess together. To rate the middle class for what reason? To return to a two-class people, rich and poor only? Whereas the middle class have to empty their life savings just to live today? You think God is pleased with that, my Nicolaitan friends? And let's not say it's all good, because to the contrary, it's the opposite. It's all bad. You say, I serve Jesus Christ because I'm not hurting anybody like those people over there. On the contrary, it's your hoarding, your greed actions that drove them toward those acts of Satan. Jesus says he's a thief. You wonder why crime is rising? Your greed caused them to break in, steal, and kill. They're hungry. They gotta survive. Sounds familiar? Just read it. John 10.10. 10. There's actions. Their actions, rather, are not justified. I agree it's wrong what they're doing. But neither are yours, which drove them to do this. Remember the hoarder in scripture, that old rich man, Luke 12, 16 through 21? Read it. He died and others wind up getting his wealth. It's not okay to say I'm going to heaven automatically because of my self-righteous deeds. Oops, <laughs> it's not my decision at all, but God's. And that's through his only door to heaven, his son. Therefore, your ticket or boarding pass to heaven has to be approved by Jesus Christ. Just as he said to the seven churches, repent and be saved. And my parting words in this podcast, let's just hope and pray your church and all, let's make it person, personal, and or your body is not sitting where Satan sits. Because he's not allowed in heaven anymore. Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you are the Son of God. I repent of my sins. Please come into my heart. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, my friend, if you prayed that prayer, as the scriptures say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You are now a part of the family of God. Amen. Amen. Now, a word with my Father. Lord God, as you continue to call men out of darkness to your marvelous light in Jesus Christ, your Son, I thank you for allowing me to be a part of your ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, 
If you or someone you know have further need of prayer, please contact us here at heavensproudlink.com. We'd love to pray with you. God bless you.